Welcome to The Next Imperative, a podcast hosted by AM energy leaders tackling key issues and trends in the industry. In this episode, Senior Director Jeff Angulo and co-host Senior Director Kyle Vano are joined by energy experts Robin Fielder from Talos Energy, Peter Kusera from Trafigura, and Ajay Jagadizian from Oak Tree Capital Management to discuss how companies are addressing emissions management. So I think we've established that the energy transition is really, or this energy transition is really driven by decarbonization. And along with that uh, is the need to manage emissions and measure them. How are your companies doing that? What are the steps they're taking? I'm sure it's different from company to company. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of briefly touch on what we're seeing. And over the past six to 12 months, obviously, the energy transition has driven a lot of this narrative around decarbonization. So we've seen companies really focus on that first step of driving transparency of what their overall emissions footprint, footprint looks like. So you have to establish those baselines from which they can continue to have go forward emissions management. We're talking about looking at it internally, where do I even start? Where are my high emitting assets? How do I focus on reducing that carbon intensity of those assets? And so really the conversation has been focused on the initial baseline of reporting. And and we see some of that narrative with the SEC announcing back in March proposals for climate disclosures. So it's really created this this urgency around how do I get a handle of my actual emissions today? And, and that's where we're seeing a lot of the first steps taking place. And we're, right. we're naturally getting into that, that evolution or that maturity of emissions management to now, what are my targets? How do I hit those targets? And what are the different decarbonization pathways that are available to myself? Yeah. Well, I think on our side, um, uh, over the years, uh, you know, the ESG diligence uh, and especially uh, diligence on the emission profiles of uh, target companies uh, um, has increased over the years. And uh, we take it pretty seriously. And uh, we use both uh, internal uh, um, you know, data providers that we have, uh, that we have subscription to, as well as uh, third-party um, agencies to help us with uh, to get a baseline uh, of the emissions of a certain target company and also benchmark it against the peers. Um, and so we do that in the pre-acquisition uh, phase, in the diligence phase. And uh, once we uh, end up with the acquisition, uh, we actively work with the management team and the boards to um, uh, look at the emissions profile. Like you said, Kyle, establish a baseline first. And then after that, um, you know, work on a lot of initiatives uh, to bring down the emissions profile. Um, some of the examples I can give you uh, is, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, uh, one of the companies uh, in uh, uh, the Rockies uh, where we have a control investing position in. And, uh, you know, that company uh, has now been certified as responsibly sourced gas by Project Canary. Um, you know, there's, uh, they have uh, continuous emissions monitoring systems in a bunch of their pads. Um, and they're starting to do uh, quarterly surveys using handheld uh, optical imaging cameras. And so all these initiatives, uh, you know, uh, have been taken by, you know, companies, you know, uh, that we have uh, control investing in. And we do also uh, have, uh, within our quarterly meetings with management, uh, we um, talk about them. We spend time on it. We try to understand it better and uh, also kind of keep track of, uh, you know, what happens to the emissions profile after these measures are taken and, uh, you know, kind of keep track of it. So it's very pertinent in what we do. Are you seeing collaboration between your various portfolio companies on these initiatives? To uh, someone's learned this, how can you trans, transfer that to the others? 
So uh, the way uh, we work, uh, you know, our group uh, works is a little different. Um, you know, uh, we're not a, uh, a pure uh, um, uh, private equity company investing only in energy companies. Uh, so uh, any um, uh, place, uh, any companies that we have control investing in uh, are the ones where we can, uh, you know, kind of step in and, uh, you know, uh, work with the management team to affect these. Uh, but I would say that in general, there is a lot of... Uh, uh, data sharing and idea sharing uh, with all these companies that I've uh, talked to, you know, even outside our portfolio, um, that people are, um, you know, uh, be it uh, the use of carbon accounting platforms, be it the use of uh, technology, uh, be it handhelds, be it flyovers, um, a lot of these technologies, uh, there is a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sharing of knowledge going on, which I think is pretty healthy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, because all these things have, uh, you know, are... Everyone's in, in the in a learning curve, uh, you know, all the way from uh, you know uh, your big publics all the way to uh, you know small private equity back companies. So uh, I think there's a lot of knowledge sharing uh, you know happening, and I think over the next couple of years, I think it's going to go, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be a steep learning curve, but uh, you know, it's getting going to get more streamlined. I think what's unique about your situation is, <clears throat> you know, when you think about emissions reporting, you think about some of the challenges associated with it. Yeah. And there's a lack of this global standard of reporting. Yeah. You can pick different frameworks, um, yes. mission factor sets. Right. From the PE standpoint, the companies that you have ownership control over and can impact, you kind of have your own little micro standard that you can apply across companies, which makes it a little bit easier to benchmark. Because right now in the market, it's just so difficult to compare one Missions yeah. baseline to the next, just because those standards don't exist today. That's right, and uh, that's an ongoing problem. That's an ongoing issue, uh, and it also goes back to um, um, you know how it's being measured. Um, I think the only thing that's uh, uh, consistent, uh, as far as my knowledge goes, is uh, what you reported the EPA. Um, you know, there's been standards; uh, it's been in place for uh, a while. So I think. Uh, um, it's not perfect, I would say. It's an inventory-based approach. So, um, uh, but that's the most standard uh, thing that everyone has. And uh, but slowly, I think uh, you know, there's been protocols that are being designed for measurement. Um, it's um, it differs by technology. The accuracy of the measurements differs by you know what technology you use. Um, but I think uh, you know, with all these all these things said, I think there's still a lot of uh, developments that are going on. And I think over the next few years, I think we should uh, we should be up the curve, and you know get a standard, uh, you know more uniform standard where you can uh, actually report your emissions. I think the other challenge that we're seeing is the transparency across your different scope of emissions. You have your direct and semi-direct with scope one and two, yeah, and then scope three from an indirect standpoint. That's right. And. Peter, I know you guys are trying to tackle this at Trafigura, and we're seeing this unique relationship between you and Palantir on deploying this visibility across kind of training platforms. So how are you guys thinking about it in, in your space? Yeah, I think our our approach to, to this issue is a little different. Um, Trafigura owns a handful of operating and emitting assets. We've been publishing our sustainability reports for five or six years now, um, tracking our scope one and two. Um, they're stationary assets, they're larger industrial assets, not, not oil, oil wells. So generally it's things like utility and meter statements and things like that that we can do to, to try to get our arms around what that scope one and two looks like for a stationary asset. But the vast majority of what we do is trading commodities that are produced by somebody else and delivered to, to somebody else. Um, 
well, that comes from an oil producer that's going to a refiner that's getting refined into an end product that's ultimately getting consumed by an airline, by a C-store customer, et cetera. So when we started thinking about our ultimate exposure, it was, wow, really the vast majority of what we need to deal with is scope three. The vast majority of what we need to understand is how our supply chains are interlinked with and intermingled with all of our suppliers and all of our customers. And I think this occurred to us, you know, we've been thinking about it for a while. I think two, two or so years ago, we really started looking into this. What, what can we do to solve this? And I think we we're maybe a little early to the stage, but every company's going to be there, right? I mean, you mentioned continuous monitoring. I think yeah. you guys are, I would argue, probably pretty far along in terms of thinking about things like continuous monitoring. And a lot of people are still trying to figure out how do I get a Cal 2021 number yeah, out, of, yeah. out of my assets to even report to EPA. Yeah. So I think similarly, we, we sort of identified Scope three is, is going to be a, it is an issue for us. It's an issue for every company and having sort of a global footprint. It's an issue as you start thinking about future regulatory exposure into places like European emissions, trading schemes, carbon border adjustment mechanisms, um, trying to normalize different, different emissions programs around the world. So we, um, yeah, as Kyle mentioned, we, we, we've launched a partnership with Palantir to, to really build a technology platform, mm-hmm. um, technology approach. We think this is really about getting primary verified data from companies mm-hmm. and then sharing it securely and transparently. So you can start building the, the supply chain building blocks that you need in order to really, A, understand the baseline across the supply chain, and then B, figure out how you want to optimize it, mitigate it, make buying and procurement decisions around that. So yeah. I see it as a very natural extension of what every company all of our peers and all of our and all of our uh, customers are doing today, which is I need to understand my assets and benchmark them. I think very soon we will be in a place where it's I need to understand not just the scope one and two of my assets, but I need to understand all the downstream or upstream implications of my assets, their their purchases and their sales and what that means. So we're starting that um, that effort now, um, working with Palantir to launch a metals platform in October of this year and early 2023 on, on an oil platform. We're super excited about it. And um, I think it's it's early days. Methodologies are going to continue to improve. Data is going to continue to improve. But I think it's the world is clearly heading in a direction where, you know, in the, the carbon that you import or export from your own operations is going to start to be something that your customers and suppliers hold you accountable for and, and want to understand. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, that's an interesting point you mentioned about the role of technology. I think it's very important because uh, right now, even in the, uh, you know, the upstream business, uh, if you think about emissions, uh, you know, a lot of it starts with uh, uh, emissions inventory, right? And so right now, what a lot of companies, uh, especially the large ones, uh, you know, the large one they're having is, uh, you know, it's just, do you have an accurate uh, inventory of your uh, equipment? And which actually feeds into your uh, the emissions that you're reporting, and uh, you know I've had a lot of conversations you know over the last uh, you know uh, six to twelve months, and it's fascinating uh, how in a lot of places uh, you know it's still the data sits in silos, yep. and uh, you know having an integrated approach um, you know uh, going uh, it going to the um, uh, the the EHS team or the ESG team uh, whatever you have uh, I think has been a struggle. Um, there's been a lot of carbon accounting platforms that have uh, come up over the last, uh, you know, six, 12 months. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, venture capital money that have, uh, you know, uh, backed them. And I, I think, you know, that's a, that's a great first step uh, because, you know, you need to establish the baseline uh, before you start, you know, um, yeah, putting in CapEx dollars to work 
to uh, uh, decarbonize. And also that helps you track, you know, from where you were to where you are now after making those CapEx investments. So it's a good point. I think you guys have really covered it well. I, I kind of think about it in kind of four different buckets. It's and you have to have people focused on each. It's it's measure and there's challenges with that. It's it's reporting. And yeah. so we've brought in a, a brand new ESG director to help us yeah. with some of that reporting yeah. work. And as you said, every every different firm has a different standard. And as a as an operator in the federal offshore, we have certain um, frameworks we have to report into. So, you know, one good thing that could come out of uh, this SEC proposal for some climate disclosures is some kind of standardization. Uh, I think yes. that concept in general, we can most of us agree would be yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> we look forward to that, uh, at least some clarity. Um, you know, the next piece after after measure report is reduce. And so we've got teams, obviously a lot of the offshore guys themselves, but also some really focused on those technologies and, and looking out to see what else can we do besides some of the low hanging fruit, some of the the obvious things of changing out and um, where you've got potential leak pass and obviously the monitoring where you can detect those early and address them early, but really thinking about the system in a different process and, and ways we can even collect some of those and utilize them for different things, perhaps to run some, um, some of the equipment. Um, and then, you know, the last piece is to offset, you know, you reduce as much as you can until yeah. you get to the offset. So we're thinking about how, how we want to participate in that space too, especially as we're building out a new business that could potentially generate offsets. You know, in many cases, our customers will want to claim those, but we have the, the capability to generate those as well. And so it's a matter of, do we use those against our own footprint? Uh, but there's also a developing market there as, as others are going to need to purchase offsets. So it's, it's very exciting to think across it and how there's, there's so much that's evolving in each bucket. Um, but I think technology is going to play into each part. That's where I sure. see the evolution of these ESG groups. I liken it to like the financial planning and analysis teams that are within companies where the last two kind of comments that you were making was around decision portfolio management type concepts around the emissions management. Mm -hmm. And so from a financial planning analysis standpoint, you look at it from emissions planning and analysis, you started right. with the reporting. And then you start looking at this forecasting and budgeting around those decarbonization initiatives. And yeah. then you look at this team to be more of a kind of business partner with operations to ensure that we're making these portfolio decisions that align with some of the ESG targets we're making. So it's it, it and you look at it from an accounting standpoint, financial accounting, you have carbon accounting and now yeah. you're getting more into the management reporting aspects of it. Yeah. And that's where I think these the evolutions of those ESG teams internally start playing a pretty significant role in some of the, the operations and the asset that's management. Right. That's right. I think there's, you know, uh, Robin mentioned sort of the four ways that, that Talos looks at things. I think in general, the industry has this concept of MRV, right? So it's two of those things, right? Mo monitoring and reporting and then verification being the third. Right. And I think yeah. when we think about how carbon becomes a commodity that can fit alongside all the other commodities that we're, we're all trading every day, um, or how carbon can become an assessed value that is built into the price assessment of the commodities that we're trading. I think it's that it's it's everything we're talking about, right? It's real verification, real monitoring, real data, a confidence that these numbers are talking like for like on an apples to apples basis, and you can really have confidence in in what it is that you're evaluating. Um, I think that's the piece that we think is the most interesting and and really requires the most 
of a collaborative approach, right? Because every company is going to be able to, at some point, collect and process and organize raw data. It's a question of technology costs. It's a question of setting up their internal teams, which is going to be different lift and, and quite a bit of work depending on the company and, and depending on timelines. But at some point, you'll get there. And then it's about setting standards. And then it's about agreeing what those standards are and being able to start to but I think the ultimate goal is pricing a cost of carbon. Yeah. So you want to be able to say, yes, if you have spent hundreds of millions of dollars building a low carbon platform, you're going to be able to achieve a premium for a low carbon product at the end of the day. And conversely, I think most regulators are focused on this piece is if you are a high emitting asset, that you're going to have a way to basically pay the, the external cost for the carbon that you're emitting. Um, so, so some programs exist, obviously, from a compliance perspective. <clears throat> yeah. Legis legislatively, been passed in, in the U.S. and Europe, elsewhere. But what we're looking forward to is, is a world where market starts to be able to price these things itself, and and investment decisions get to be made based on a real market signal. Yeah. No, I think uh, that's fascinating. I think uh, what you mentioned about the uh, um, uh, the staffing needs, um, you know, for uh, to pursue some of these opportunities. Uh, as well as, uh, um, you know, an incentive, which is uh, at the end of the day is a premium for your low carbon product, right? And I think uh, that's going to serve as uh, both the carrot and the stick, yep. right? You know, the carrot is going to be your premium that you're getting, um, you know, for uh, your low carbon product. And your regulation is going to be the stick in a way. Um, and so that's going to incentivize company to view these teams and uh, add to the staffing as uh, not just a cost center, but something you know more than that to help streamline your operations as well as improve the carbon footprint uh, for you for which you're uh, you know getting uh, incentivized economically. Yeah. So I think that's been a part of the struggle internally on some of these decarbonization initiatives is how do I place the value on some of this emissions yeah. reduction side and and if you start looking at putting a price on carbon you start having these balance of trade offs on do I allocate capital there and now I'm extracting value from these decarbonization initiatives from right. almost an avoidance of cost perspective. And yeah. and we've seen some companies embed these internal pricing policies yeah. to where you're associating a price in those investment decisions. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Next Imperative so you never miss a new episode. Also, visit our website at alvarezandmarsal.com to learn more and to connect with us.